If you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and open up to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 is where we're going to get started. And we're in week three of a series called Deuteronomy. And I hope you've been enjoying this series so far. I hope more than enjoy it, I hope that you've been applying the truth that we've been learning together. And if you're just joining us for the first time, you might be a little confused by the title of this series. Yes, we are in fact using memes to teach the Bible. I don't know if that's sacrilegious, but we're doing it. And, uh, but more than, than using memes, what we're really doing is we're studying the Bible together and we're looking in particular at the book of Deuteronomy. And if you're not familiar with the book of Deuteronomy, it's the fifth book in the Old Testament. It's the last book of the Pentateuch. And in this book, there's this guy, Moses. He's a pretty famous Old Testament character. He led the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, out of Egyptian bondage. Well, after they left Egypt, they went to Mount Sinai, where God met with Moses on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And on there, that's where they get the Ten Commandments. And he gives all these other instructions to the Israelites. And what Moses is doing in the book of Deuteronomy is now reiterating and restating those instructions. And it's actually the repetition of that instruction from which this book derives its name. Deuteronomy is really a combination of two Greek words. The words are literally translated repeated truth. And that name is appropriate because what we discover in the New Testament is that the truth contained in the book of Deuteronomy is shared again and again and again. In fact, Deuteronomy is the most referenced book in the New Testament, it's the most quoted book by Jesus. What that means is that there is a lot of truth in this book for your life and my life. And so that's why we titled this series, or subtitled it rather, Truth That's Meant to Be Shared. Because in this book, there's truth that is shared. It's truth that you and I need to understand, and it's truth that we need to share with others. So. This book is comprised of three sections. It's really, really kind of a sermon or three separate sermons that Moses gives. And it starts out the first section, Moses is reminding them of the past. Then he moves to helping them to respond in their present. And finally, he reassures them of their future. Now, if I was going to paraphrase it, though, I would tell you, basically in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is talking to them about how it started and how it's going, how it started and how it's going. Have you guys ever seen those memes, by the way, how it started and how it's going? Just in case you haven't, I brought a few to share with you. Uh, maybe your uh, 2020 goals look a little like this. When you start, I mean, you are all in, but um, let's just be honest. By now, most of us look like that. Uh, yeah, let's go to the next one. It started as a, as a relationship meme, actually. People would, uh, people would post about their relationship and say, hey, this is how it started and this is how it is now. But for everybody who is disgusted by people talking about their relationship, I just put this one up there for you. And uh, anybody, you can, you know, relate to this one. Does this feel like you? Just, just keep your hand up in the air, look around, maybe. There's velocity match today. You might make a connection. Um, then this, me it kind of shifted later on. It went from just being about relationships to then it's like people, an opportunity for them to, to talk about themselves, which is our favorite subject. And so uh, I noticed people, they did this thing called a 10-year challenge. 
And it was like, hey, this is what I was like 10 years ago. And look at me now. Well, I didn't have a picture to use from 10 years ago, but this is kind of mine, how it started. I want to be a pastor. How it's going. Welcome to our 10-year anniversary. I'm telling you, when I started, I did not have gray hair. But, um, but my, my favorite one, and this actually, uh, this is one that, that somebody made. I, I didn't come up with this one. Uh, and this, this is an interactive series, by the way. So you're supposed to take this truth, and you're supposed to meme it. And if, if you tag me in it, I'll repost it, and, uh, or at least I'll see it. Maybe I might not, re- it might be bad. I might not repost it. <laughs> But, um, but somebody made this one, and, and I, I love this. It inspired the, this message today. How it started, how it's going. Isn't that good? Now, the, the, truth is, the truth is we know that, you know, the church is not really a building. I, I like that one, but I thought this one was a little bit better. So this is how it started, right? This is how it's going. This is how it's going. This is how it's going. Right? This is how it's going. And this is how it's going. Man. There's a lot of good things happening. And I'm grateful to be part of this church. And it's so cool to see what God is doing. But the more I thought about it, what I realized is that's not really how it started. Can you go back to that picture of me and Marissa? Can you put that one up there? It's not really how it started. Not really. Because, I mean, we didn't start with a building. We didn't even start with a team. <laughs> we, we started with a vision that God wanted to use us to ignite a move of his spirit in this city. And it didn't start with a building. Really, it started around a kitchen table. Started with a prayer time while I was in my car. It started when... We had all these other opportunities and all these other things going on and all these things that we could do, but we couldn't shake the fact that we felt God was calling us and leading us to move to a place that we'd never been before and didn't know anybody to follow his will and his plan. And it's so important to know how it started in order to appreciate how it's going. See, that's what Moses wants to emphasize in the text that we're going to look at today in Deuteronomy chapter 8. When Moses is speaking to the children of Israel, he wants them to realize that you need to know and you need to remember how it started. So I want us to look at this together today. Uh, Deuteronomy 8 verse 2. If you don't have a Bible, you can get a free one by going to Bible.com and there's an app you can download and that's actually how I engage with the Bible most often is on my phone. If you don't have a Bible with you, we'll put the words on the screen so we can all follow along together. But Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, this is what it says. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Knowing then in your heart that as a man disciples his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Sorry, as a man disciplines his son, the root is disciple. So the Lord your God disciplines 
you. So it's while they're on the cusp of renewing their covenant with God that Moses calls the Israelites to remember how it started, how they got here. And I want to use this text today to preach to you from this subject, if you're taking notes, how it started and how it's going. How it started and how it's going. Now, it's my custom to pray before we get into the preaching of God's word. So I would just ask that you'd bow your head with me as we go to the Lord this morning in prayer. God, thank you for your word. God, we know your word gives life. Your word is truth. Your word speaks to us every time we open it up with a heart to receive. So God, I ask that you would use me today. Speak through me, not my words or my opinions, but God, your word going forth, changing hearts, speaking to people. We believe it, and everybody who agrees with that can say amen. I'm curious for those of you in the room, how many of you would say that you have a good memory? You have a good memory, be proud of it. A lot of, don't, I'm not, there's no test, all right? I'm not gonna put you on the spot, but you have a good memory. Can I see your hands one more time? All right. Quite a few of you, more than the nine o'clock, which <laughs> is surprising because <laughs> you're at the 11 o'clock, so maybe you slept in, but good memory. I'm always fascinated by those who have a good memory because, um, well, my wife, for example, one of the many qualities that I love about her is that she has such an amazing memory. I mean, she can remember facts, figures, like history was her subject in school. She remembers dates. She, uh, she remembers birthdays. Like she, she'll, she could probably tell you her second grade teacher's birthday. I can't even remember who my second grade teacher was, but she, if, you, if you've ever told her your birthday once, she will remember. She just has this way. It's like a gift. And many times that's how I think about memory. Like it's a gift that some people have, but the way the Bible talks about memory and remembering is different than really how we think about it. It really doesn't talk about memory as a gift. It talks about remembering as a skill. It, it talks about the fact that we should make this decisive intention to recall what God has said in the past. In fact, one of the key themes of Deuteronomy, really, if you look throughout Scripture, is this challenge and this command to remember. And the implication is, is that we don't always need to learn a new thing. Sometimes we just need to remember an old thing. We need to remember what God has said. We need to remember what God has done. We need to remember how it started. How it started. And it's not a passive behavior when you remember in Scripture. It's, it's this decisive intention to recount the past, to tell the story. You see, for 40 years, the Israelites have been wandering in the wilderness. They are wandering because they resisted God's instruction, because they disobeyed God, because they didn't believe what he had promised, that he said he would take them into a land that was flowing with milk and honey. He would take them into the promised land. And now that they're about to enter in, Moses wants to make sure that they get the story straight. Now that they're about to go in, that there's this fulfillment of this covenant, Moses wants to make sure that they remember it right. You see, like those memes that we were looking at, really what Moses is doing is presenting a contrast here. Because he knows it'd be easy to call to mind the previous circumstances and forget the story, forget the reason. 
forget the intention. So what he's doing here is he says, hey, I want to remind you how things started, but he doesn't stop by just telling him how it started. He goes on to explain why. And we see it right here in verse two. He begins with these words, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Why? To humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. See, I've noticed that sometimes when we remember our past, all we remember is our pain. Like sometimes when we recall our history, the only part we recall is our hurt. We remember the struggle. We rehearse the curse. But Moses wants to make sure that they don't get it wrong. (laughs) And so much of the theology of Deuteronomy is really about this contrast, proclaiming the truth of God in contrast to what other people have believed. He, he wants them to remember the story differently. He wants them to know it's not just about what happened, that there's another side to it. So this is what Moses would say to them. He said, hey, when you remember, don't just remember how it started. Now, this is what I want you to remember. Remember how the start made you stronger. Don't just remember how it started. Remember how the start made you stronger. Because see, it's not just how you started, it's how you remember it. Now this is interesting to me because (laughs) most of us don't like to recall the unfruitful seasons in our lives. Unfruitful seasons, that's what a wilderness is. A wilderness is a dry place. A wilderness is a barren place. A wilderness is a place where Nothing is growing. A wilderness is a place where there's no life. And most of us, if given the choice, <laughs> we don't want to remember our wilderness experience. We don't savor our struggles. No, what we like to do, we, we store our highlights, not our heartaches. We, we, we don't want to remember the places where things didn't go well. We don't want to remember the places where we made some mistakes. We, we don't want to remember the places that have caused us pain and grief and anguish. We try to forget our pain. We don't try to flaunt it. But that's the thing that's true about wilderness seasons. Even though we'd rather forget them, what I've found is that misery is memorable. Misery is memorable. You think about it. Most of us can recall with very little difficulty the anguishing seasons in our life. Most of us can recall with no problem the the places that we're not proud of. The, the, The parts of our past that we'd rather hide and conceal and keep covered up. The the hurts in our history that hold us back. Most of us want to avoid those things that we're ashamed of. We we don't like to put that out for other people to see. But Moses is retelling the story so that they can understand how you started and how it's going, this is not just about a come up. This is not just about how you started at the bottom, now you're here. This isn't about how, look at where you were and look at where you are now. No, what Moses wants to do, he wants to connect their past distress to their present development. But Moses says, remember how you started The Lord led you all the way 
in the wilderness for 40 years. Remember this because the start made you strong. The start made you strong. He explains how in the next verse. He says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. In other words, it's saying what you thought was a tragedy was really a training ground. It taught you some things that you would not have learned any other way. So when you think about how it started, don't just stay in the circumstance. Don't just stay in the pain. Don't just stay in what you didn't have and what didn't go your way. No, when you remember how it started, remember it's not what you lacked, it's what you learned. It's not what you lacked, it's what you learned. See, I've discovered that often what I think are life's problems are really God's lesson plans. Because many times the thing that I would rather avoid, many times the thing that I would rather do without, many times the, the thing that, that I would keep away from if I could is the very thing that God wants to use to fulfill his purpose in my life. So sometimes God will add to my life by removing everything that's unnecessary. Sometimes God will take away that thing that I think I can't live without so that he can do something for me that I never could have expected. See, when, when God moves in your life, he, what, what he'll do sometimes is he'll teach me to trust his strength by letting me feel the weight of the situation on my own. And so what Moses wants the Israelites to remember isn't what they didn't have. He wants them to remember what God gave them in the process. They didn't have food, so God sent them manna. It's not something they could work for, secure, earn, make happen on their own, so God miraculously provided. There wasn't a precedent for it, but they did have a promise for it. And God wants to do the same for you. See, many times, God's mathematics look like addition by subtraction. Has anybody ever experienced that before? God is adding to your life by taking something away. You wouldn't have trusted God unless he would have removed that thing that you were depending on. You wouldn't know God as a deliverer unless you called out to him when you were in trouble. Some of us wouldn't experience God's protection unless we were walking through the valley. And in the process of his plan for you, what you learn is a new facet of his character. You get new insight into his love for you. You, you gain a better understanding of how God operates. So when you remember how it started, don't just think about how far I've come. Think about, look what God has done. Look at how God has moved. And here's the thing. If we're trusting that God has ordered our steps, then we can also have confidence that he's ordained our start. You know, for the longest time, when we started this church, I was thinking about this. I used to be embarrassed about how we started. Really, I used to be embarrassed because like when we started, like, I didn't know anybody. We didn't move here with a team. Uh, we didn't have any money. And my idea, like how we started, so 
for the first three years of our church, I was bivocational doing another job to take care of my family while we could get the church going. We didn't start with a lot of money to buy stuff, just pay as we went. And I was embarrassed about that because I thought, man, like, it's not like a, a real church or like real pastor. You know, like I'm not doing this full time. I have to split. I can't do the things that I want to do. But if you trust that God is ordering your steps, trust that he's ordaining your start. You might not have started how you wanted, but God wants to use that if you let him. It might not have been your choice, but it's actually the very thing that God wants to use to, so he can help use you to make a difference in the lives of other people. That's why he said this. Verse 5 says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. What he's saying is that even though what you went through wasn't pleasant, it was purposeful. God's hand was on it. It might not have been what you desired, but it was what God designed. He disciplined you in the desert. And when you think about discipline, here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember that it's not punishment, it's practice. Discipline, it's not punishment, it's practice. I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. The root of discipline is disciple. How many of you want to be a disciple of Jesus? That requires discipline. It's not punishment. It's practice. And I need to spend some time here because I think we've often misunderstood some things about the character of God and how he develops our lives. First thing you need to know, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, and for those of you that haven't, I'll give you an opportunity at the end of our service today. But if you've placed your faith in Jesus, God is not punishing you for your sin. He's not punishing you for sin. The, the punishment of your sin, he placed on Jesus. So if you've placed your faith in Jesus, he's not punishing you for your sin. Now understand, there is sin, and sin does have consequences. Like, sin involves pain. When, when, when we violate God's standards, when we violate God's instructions, there's pain involved. But that's only because it's like if I do something in my car, if I use my car in a way that the manufacturer didn't intend, but when I injure myself in the process, that's on me. I did something that was out of bounds of the standard of operation. So there's sin and, and sin has pain and we're commanded to avoid it. And the pain we experience is often the result of our choices. And whenever we do miss the mark, whenever we do make a mistake, whenever we do fall short of God's best, we're commanded to repent. And all we got to do is, is repent and get back and get right with God and get to following Jesus again. If you've stumbled, you can ask for forgiveness and God will forgive you. That's what it means to repent, to turn from your sin and to follow Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. But I need you to know that, that God is not retributive. He, he, he's, he's not retaliating against you. He's not waiting up in heaven, waiting for you to mess up so he can punish you with something. So he can punish you with a problem. That's not how he operates. But there is such a thing as God's discipline. And discipline is another side of God's love. And what I'm hoping you see today is that discipline is part of of God's development process. 
Like, happened this week. I have four children, my youngest, I have a six-year-old daughter, Pippa. My, my daughter, Pippa, was having a little meltdown at our house, and uh, I don't remember all the cause of it, but she was melting. I think I told her, like, don't play the iPad. I don't know if she was playing the iPad or she wanted to, but I said, no, you can't play the iPad or you have to stop playing it. And she just had this meltdown, crying, tears. She says, you don't love me. I was like, you're right. And I said, I said, hold up, hold up, girl. What? She says, you don't love me. I said, why, why do you think I don't love you? Because you told me, no, I can't play the iPad. If you love me, you'd let me play the iPad. I said, girl, you're going to have to learn this lesson early. All right. You cannot equate me telling you no. That is not interchangeable with me not loving you. In fact, many times you will know my love by the fact that I'm telling you no. My, my love is going to have some boundaries. My, my love is going to have some parameters. My love is sometimes going to go against your preferences. In fact, because I'm the authority in this house, when you step outside of the guidelines that I've set, my love will have some consequences. That is because I love you. In fact, you can know my love many times by when I say no. But I've noticed as Christians, many times we have not matured in our thinking with God's love in our life. Many times we think God's love means us having what we want. God, if you love me, my life would not look like this. God, if you love me, things would not be going this way. God, if, if you really loved me, things would look different. God, if you love me, I wouldn't be struggling with this right now. Sometimes I hear people say something stupid like, well, if God didn't want me to have it, he shouldn't have made me this way. Are you kidding me? Like, not every desire in me is pure. <laughs> Scripture says that the heart is deceitful above all else. There are many things inside of me. See, like in our culture today, we've got this mindset that if it's in me, it's good. Let, let me tell you, not everything in me is good. And not everything in you is good either. But God is good. God is good. And God wants to bless your life. And sometimes the way he will bless your life is with a burden. Excuse me? Is this... Are we still reading the Bible here? Yeah, so sometimes God's favor looks like a fight because it's the battle that builds you. Sometimes God's gift looks like a grind. Sometimes God's development process looks like discipline. And sometimes what you think of as punishment is really just practice. It's really just practice. You see, up until this point, Israel's period in the desert had only been seen as punishment for failing to obey what God had said. 
But now that Moses is restating it, he's putting another angle on it. He's wanting them to see that what they thought was punishment was actually an opportunity for their faith to grow. What, What they thought was punishment was actually an opportunity for them to grow in their devotion. In fact, the prophet Jeremiah, centuries later, he he would say that the time in the wilderness was one of the greatest periods of devotion to God. That's how he would remember it. So when you remember how it started, let me ask you, think about how you started. Think about where you came from. Think about where where you're going through right now. Let me ask you, is it a grind or is it a gift? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's both because what it shows you is that God cares about you enough to correct what needs to be changed. And that's why you got to remember this last one. It's really the one that's most important. Remember that how it's going isn't the same as how you're doing. Remember that how it's going isn't the same as how you're doing. See, in the desert, the Israelites, they'd been removed from everything that was familiar in order to sustain life. When they first left Egypt and experienced the Exodus, they weren't used to living in the wilderness. They were not desert people. Yes, they were slaves, but at least they knew where their next meal was coming from. Now that they're in the desert, they're threatened by death every day. Now that they're in the desert, they're not sure if they're going to make it. So what happens is, in the midst of their challenge, they learn to trust. And it was in the difficulty of the desert that they learned to look to the Lord. And so even though from the outside, it seemed like maybe things were going wrong because they weren't ever supposed to be in the desert. They were supposed to go from Mount Sinai to the promised land. From the outside, it looked like things were going wrong. What Moses says is that actually, even though it looks like it's going wrong, it's you're doing well. You're doing well. Because even though they had every reason to be depressed, the desert was developing giant faith in them. I need you to remember today that how it's going is not the same as how you're doing. It might look like you're grinding it out right now, but you could be glorifying God. From the outside, maybe it looks like there's some lack in your life. Maybe the thing you're struggling with is that you're single. Jesus was single. Paul was single. You might be single, but you're serving God's purpose. That's not a failure. Your circumstances might be hard right now, but if you are living with integrity, if you are living holy, that's a win. Even if from the outside, if it looks like you're suffering, you know that suffering well is actually a testimony of Jesus. Paul said, oh, that I might share in the sufferings of Christ. 
So some of the stuff that you're looking to avoid is actually the stuff that God wants to use. Sometimes the things that feel hard are actually his hand on you. How it's going is not the same as how you're doing. And I want you to know that the the converse of that is true too. Just because things are going well, doesn't mean that you're doing well. You know, it's, it's natural to look to God in the desert when you don't have any other choice. But when things are easy, sometimes it's harder to give God his due. That's what Moses wanted to caution the Israelites about. I want to read just a couple more scriptures to you. In, in verse 10, he says, Notice though, when you've eaten and you're satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. You'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. Verse 17 says, you may say to yourself, you know, it's my power and my strength and my hands that have produced this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And if social media has taught us anything, it's that just because things look good doesn't mean they are good. Things can be going good, but you can be doing bad because God is less concerned about your circumstances and he is more concerned about your character. In fact, what you might think of as success could actually be the thing that is causing you to miss out on significance. You could be giving your best energy to the things that have the lowest priority. That's why Moses tells us to remember. You got to remember this. You got to remember things the right way so that you don't gain the world and lose your soul. You got to remember things the right way so that you don't experience the blessing of God and treat it as a curse. You got to remember things the right way if you want to go forward into the land that I have for you. In so many ways, going forward and moving forward is really about our ability to look back. Really about our ability to look back and remember what God has done, why he's done it, how it's helped us, what we've learned, why we're stronger. In fact, the best way to move forward, when you think about how it started, is to remember how it started on the cross. The fact that you're here that there's a God who loves you, loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. That before he acted and before he operated, you were stuck in your sin and in your shame, but God didn't leave you there. He sent a deliverer. He sent a savior so that you could know life.